Opportunist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. My name is Jim Rugg. In October, Jimmy and I are going to be doing some traveling. October 6th through 9th, we're going to CXCA in Columbus, Ohio. October 28th through 30th, we're going to Baltimore Comic Con. In the middle there, October 22nd, Jimmy's going to be at the Jacksonville Public Library for a zine festival. In October, it's Kayfabe-tober, and this is the 2022 official cartoonist Kayfabe drawing prompt list for your Inktober with a bunch of choice uh, hits that I can't wait to see you guys draw. And these videos are brought to you by the comic books that we make. So these are the efforts that we have out there in the wild. Uh, most recently, Jimmy has Hulk Grand Design, Monster and Madness, which is going to be collected in a Treasury Edition format. Has Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive trade paperback in a new printing from Image Comics, collecting all of his Image Comics versions of uh, Street Angel. Red Room Trigger Warnings is uh, out in uh, late September, and here it is right here in all of its glory. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit, good companion piece to go along with the Anti-Social Network. So without further ado, Jimmy, let's take a look at uh, Dark Horse Madman Comics number one by Mike Allred. Yeah, this is, uh, I think, the third number one Madman comic. Yeah, a couple times. We of had uh, a Tundra. I th was it Tundra or Kitchen Sink that did Madman Adventures? Mm. And uh, one of the interesting notes, and I'll talk about it right from the cover get-go, the inking of Mike Allred yeah. in this issue. Because uh, Madman Adventures, there's an issue that Mark Schultz inks. Mm -hmm. So like in some ways, I feel like uh, Allred's still figuring out his ink line. And it would go on to be kind of heavier. When I think yeah. of, of Allred, it's a little bit different than this. But really nice inking throughout this issue. I love this cover. Yeah. With like the comics behind him that he's popping out of. Uh, the little disc toy gun. He had a vision for Madman pretty much from the get-go. Like this, this character, this book, his art, it always looked interesting from the beginning can't sleep on that back cover absolutely by, uh, not frank frazetta in all of these frank issues, miller frank frank miller oh yes yes because what i was going to say was uh my the first issue that i scooped up off the racks myself had a frazetta back cover uh that's part of that vision i talk about because yeah. he was always getting other cartoonists like klaus has one lots and, of people uh, yeah i mean he's there, got to have two, hundreds of them at this there's, point there's two sets of uh trading cards that were done with all of, I mean, Kevin Nolan, you name it, Dave Stevens. I wonder if that was, I don't know who put those out. Was it Kitchen Sink? Because if so, then it's probably Kevin Eastman Tundra Money funding the commissions for all of this artwork. Because he got... I think Allred invested in himself. Because he, he, he paid me for one. And that's uh, much later. This is, it this is. is this is some different shit, man. This is this early 90s stuff. I don't know, man. It seems pretty smart on, on his part to have all... Uh, Jack Kirby, you know, dedicates this issue to Jack Kirby, and we get the Jack Kirby version of Madman. That's so sick, It's man. really cool all, all seeing everybody's versions of this character. Yeah, for sure. And it starts off uh, beautifully with that, like, Rick Moranis from, from uh, Ghostbusters, little colander with the wires on the head. <laughs> yes. Great looking characters. When and you see this guy, man, it's like, Allred's a Doom Patrol fan. Yeah, he looks really good. All these characters look really good. And uh, Laura Allred on colors from the beginning. Yeah. Mike Allred lettering this himself. Yes, I love his lettering, by the way. Here's some dry brush. You, you never see that right. with, with Allred. And there's even a little, like, almost accidental dry brush with some of the hair there. Because he does, he gets that chunky, thick line for like the outer holding line and then he'll go kind of thinner mm -hmm. on the inside and at this time he was definitely praised very much for his ink slinging 
Look at how he's drawing tails on the balloons, like a rounded, uh, you know, bottom of the tail. Yeah. I like that. You know, it's a guy who's making his own comics and it's like, do everything your, your own way. I love the, the, the storytelling of this stuff, man, where you got these little four panel pieces, big image, big image, four panel pieces, like sp splitting it up a bunch. More interesting textures on, on the almost like UPA Mr. Magoo cliff back there. You think that's a uh, an influence from like a Chris Ware? I I was, yeah, I do. And I guess you know, like I mentioned, the, those various companies also like Caliber was doing versions of Frank Einstein and graphic music. Oh yeah, man, we got those issues. We we'll have to do. We'll have to do that. Yeah, episode. I thought about digging those out. <laughs> we'll have to do that episode, man, because it is actually very cool to see how his work evolves over time. Uh, certainly, uh, graphic music stuff. It felt like. Bernie Merlot like had, had an influence on his work you know they they worked in tandem for sure but some of the ticks the marks that he was making felt like them to me I like this panel a lot I think that's a cool composition for essentially talking heads mm -hmm. and it's all here like all the tropes of kitschy you know like there's the kind of kitsch that Dan Klaus brought to the table and this is another approach of some of the same tool some of the same recipe definitely it's it's really cool to see how these guys distill it in in their own ways some of these finer lines remind me of kevin nolan yeah and i also think you know you're seeing some of him still mike allred still working out some of his style you know even laura allred's colors like she's figuring stuff out too you know this is a little bit like sort of all over the place in a way but she becomes so harmonious in her uh color choices so they're both like really this is they're getting there man they are it's one, real sick one thing that is visible though is how much characters are always moving yeah they're always in some kind of pose they're very rarely do you catch one of all red's characters just standing around doing nothing he hands never in the does that uh -uh. yeah he never does that the head is always on a swivel always on a pivot never a front view uh there's so much great nonverbal stuff that happens throughout you know we established that weird brain villain guy <laughs> right kind of early which is disgusting that guy's <laughs> head <laughs> yeah well let's make it more disgusting yeah injecting himself in the tongue is so gross yeah especially those I mean that's that's like you know he needs Valtrex for that tongue some more of the fun if you letter it yourself you get to play around with some of the graphic elements of mm -hmm. it you know even the, your word balloon your coffin a little bit like let's uh let's show that visually this, this you're seeing a different madman costume in every panel too by mm -hmm. the way different color approach this uh splash page makes me think of like the old silver age comics where you'd have multiple chapters in a comic absolutely and it's always the hyperbolic almost exploitation type titling yeah again if you're doing the lettering you get to play with that part this paper airplane stuff is real funny <laughs> Yeah, feel it, it fits in, right? Because you'd see Madman with like a yo-yo, yeah. you know, paper airplane feels like it's right in line with that he's got sensibility. That, he's got that little disc gun mm -hmm. that like we all had when we were kids. And I guess uh, even he had it as a kid. It's an old invention. Doing trust falls. I feel like that's very 90s. I feel like the trust fall was invented in like, you know, 1991. <laughs> I remember seeing that shit on TV and we had to do that stuff in school. I have a trust fall in that uh, when Street Angel goes to Juvie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so good. Dude, this background is Beautiful. sick as hell. Love it. DeLuca effect. Yep. In effect. For like a date. Like a date scene. It's beautiful, man. And then you got 
he's peppering in future story stuff. Having this little dude hiding back there. He gets all of his characters in here, man. Yeah. You know, in, in those graphic musics and um, what were some of the other ones? Like, he has the G-Men from Hell. And, mm -hmm. and they're even in here. Yeah, it calls to mind um, some of the Flaming Carrot. Mm -hmm. Bob Burns stuff like mystery men you know equivalent of say a g-men from hell yeah I thought this was really clever how he's having like the spaceship crash right you know like just from a visual standpoint you get to see some different marks in there and even the leaves blowing off the tree really good effect of solid. something you know whooshing by solid different shape panels like with the round panel yeah you the classic golden age kind of panel and this is really good because like he he avoids tangent right there that could have been very dicey mm -hmm. and here's your alien just a, it's a total like lost in space zipper up the back kind of alien yeah doing a rubber suit alien exactly <laughs> Chekhov's paper airplane don't establish <laughs> right it in the eye if it doesn't pay <laughs> off a little bit later You know, it's never, uh, there's always going to be an adventure if there's a culvert <laughs> in a uh, comic book. And it looks so inviting. This should be the, the pose, though, right before he ducks into that. Yeah, sure. Sees a little bit of goop uh, in that culvert. Picks up an old jam jar, takes a couple samples. And uh, once again, establishing the whole kind of universe of all red characters, man. We got the uh, the street beatniks, pre mutant street beatniks, pre pre atomics. It's those it's those same characters. Yeah, a lot of Mr. parallels Hulk. with that atomics issue one. Yeah, even like the UFO coming in and stuff. I really uh, I really think that there's some like editorializing or uh, or parody of especially if he's in the Pacific the All Reds are living in the Pacific Northwest this time you know express your frustration on the page cutting promos, cutting promos on, the, on, on the, the page on the locals yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but I feel that you know I could be projecting it's it's interesting I've never heard that brought up in regards to his work because of his like Silver Age kind of influences you know having beatniks almost they could pass sure. as, as part of that 50s culture yeah though but the, he's pushing it to an extreme that i feel like is totally like making fun of him you know what's great throughout this whole sequence and i think that we don't do it enough now is there's so much variety in terms of size of characters mm -hmm. uh compositions like a lot of this stuff it just feels like there's all this energy on these pages yeah that we don't i don't see in a lot of comics anymore yeah sure you know it's almost like Oh, I gotta have my perspective right. Right. You know, and it's almost like you figure that out, and now maybe we'll shoot this all from the same perspective. And it's I like this kind of energy of moving around, and even like doing like think of the scales that you're seeing. Probably the biggest Madman on this spread, and then like the smallest one. That range is something to look for. I mean, I see that in your comics. It's something. It's something, it's something that I, I value. To. Yeah, I pay attention to that also. But but I look at this now, and it just feels very adventurous. Like we are flying around this scene. Oh yeah. Tosses that goop on those uh, those mutants, man, and that's going to be paid forward. Like the like this size of small panels, where stuff's happening. You know, it's there. It's almost like a way to do a talking head or something, where you have these smaller inset panels, but it really makes for a great looking page. And then the perspective of climbing up this rope ladder, amazing. Absolutely, because it's it's 
there's no sure footing there. It feels like the wind's blowing. It feels awkward. If you've ever climbed a rope ladder, that is what it does. Absolutely. Like that thing sideways when you're pulling on a handle or, or pushing hard off, off your leg. Seeing these compositions, man, Jaime Hernandez comes to mind. Yes. And it makes me think that perhaps Allred wished that Jaime and crew stuck with the rockets a little bit more than, <laughs> than just the love part because uh, that's very close. And there's there's some tropes and homework, certainly the clear line. This ship to me is uh, totally Toth, Steve Rude mm -hmm. vein of like ship design. Yeah. And it's saucers, you know, it's, it's, it's spacemen, just classic movie type stuff. When I was a kid, uh, like seeing this promoted in Wizard and places, they would always talk about pop art, pop art, and I, I had ideas of like what pop art was with Warhol and all that, and I'm like, I don't even, I don't exactly understand what they mean, and I think it was like the submission guidelines for, for uh, Fantagraphics when they were talking about Eight Ball and how they don't want genre in their comics, and they described Eight Ball as, uh, you know, dissecting kitsch culture. Then I Google that kitsch, mm -hmm. or or I look in a dictionary kitsch, and. Then I realized, like, oh, all the junky stuff that, like, your parents didn't want you, right. you know, they wanted you to read Shakespeare or something. Like, uh, all the junky stuff that was fun. All these characters, like, this creep character, you know, like, I don't even know if he is in, like, later issues of this first Dark Horse run, or if it's, like, the later Dark Horse run, where he's this big giant character and Madman's real small, but he's, he's peppering in all this stuff that's going to be explored in future issues. Here's your G-Men from Hell, guys. There was a movie. Yeah. Like like one of the last times I went to to a Hollywood video, I think William Forsyth is one of them. He sounds about right. He's at least in there. Do you think Mike Allred was looking in the mirror? <laughs> Could be. At, at these moments, like when he's posing out this character. Good, good looking dude in his prime, right? Yes, sir. In his prime, man. Still, still kind of good. <laughs> got a nice cut to his jib. <laughs> That's right. Mike, join us. Let's do a shoot interview. Don't be shy. It's so natural, like holding that box feels so natural. Yeah. And I can't imagine that you would pose somebody to be like, hey, pick up this box. Let me see how this looks. It's that, but it looks so good. Sure. Yeah. It's it's like, I, I, I feel like he's like a master of the gesture, you know, doing that like five second proportional sketch to give he's you even twisted like his upper body's bent mm -hmm. away. So, you know, like if you put a heavy something heavy on one side of you, you would twist that way. Yeah. And he's got that going on. Yeah. And always key, it's the proportions are always right. You know, like we're, like the shoulders aren't too narrow. Well, I want some open space on his pages with these with these open panels. Frank Einstein, he's seeing visions. Yeah, everybody's pretty cool for uh, what he's walking around wearing. Man, I would really like to talk to Laura Allred about this stuff because we're seeing her like play around with a little bit of gradient and stuff. And these this is a very, very pastel version of like like her palette is not this pastel and i wonder if she, this comes back from press and then she makes adjustments going forward like it would almost be worth look like we're going to be doing more issues of this in the future no doubt but the color is certainly something i'm going to pay attention to yeah i would have some some questions for her because her coloring has been good pretty much from the get-go yeah but at this point she has to be doing color guides right like, yeah, I don't no. think she's doing a digital thing. So, like, gradients, and there's a couple of subtle gradients throughout this. So I wonder if that's being handled by someone else. Yeah. Like this next page. Right. These little zapper gradients. Yeah, there's quite a few of them, but they are subtle, so you're not, 
you're not overwhelmed. But you know, if you look here, it's like gradient, 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 yeah. gradient. Um, so there, there's enough on there that it makes me think like somebody's doing the digital, like the color steps. This is the one you talk about too, the purple into the orange with the gray in the middle. You see it. Yep, there it is right there. Hard to make that work. But you gotta try it, you know? This is the early bleeding edge days. You try it, does it work? Perhaps it's, not. You know what, it's great on that page or yeah, on this following because you can see like, oh, yellow to orange, no problem at all. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that orange to purple where like you're running across the middle of the color wheel, turns gray in the middle. <laughs> there are a lot of colors though, like this turquoise color, that was a color we didn't see in the first, uh, I don't know, 50 years of comic books. Right, yeah, oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. I like it whenever they get to that, like, oh, now we can use any color, but like, which colors do we want to add you know, to our palette? And, and this is a pretty subtle, you know, experimentation in this one. You mentioned Chris Ware as being an influence for that one page. And I'm wondering, like, this looks like that Midwestern color palette that, that Ware would employ in Acme Novelty. You know, the pastel hues, the kind of earth tones. That's the these thing. These slate kind of colors. Like, in today's world, it's impossible to keep up with everything that's coming out. But if you're making comics, say, in the late 80s and into the early 90s, you could read everything that was interesting that was coming through the direct market. Yeah. You know, so, like, if you see something that looks like a Steve Rude reference, it's probably a Steve Rude reference, you know, <laughs> or a Chris Ware reference. Like, there, there wasn't a lot that was coming out. You could really keep up with all of that. And the stuff that was good, that was a short list. That's true. Even the blue, like the cyan on uh, Mad Men's kind of sh shadowed parts, mm -hmm. it's like a 5% or like a 2% cyan. You almost don't see it. Yeah, it works really well. It's a good mix. Man, I love whenever he's like running or doing something. It's it's so, it's so perfect, like slamming this door. The stuff with weight and physics really feels right. Yeah, yeah, this stuff. Good facial expressions throughout. Mm-hmm. He gets so much mileage out of those open eyes. He really does. So they finally cracked into the uh, the spaceship that landed. They found their way in. But of course you gotta have complication. You ever see there was that uh, lecture that the guys from South Park yeah. gave and it was about like, how did it go, man? It was like, uh, if, if your story, if your story is this happened and this happened and this happened, like it gets dismissed. Everything is like but and therefore statements. We got into the spaceship, but we got zapped by this little eyeball mm -hmm. gimmick. Therefore, we introduce Mott the Hoople, or excuse me, Mott from Hoople. <laughs> With his hamburger face. <laughs> Not a bad start, huh, Jimmy? No, and look at him using every page. Absolutely. You're going to give me a number one at Dark Horse. This is a nice high-profile gig. I'm going to put... You're going to get your money's worth out of this issue. I believe this is uh, pencil work that will be showing up for the cover of the next issue. With, I think... Mitch O'Connell. Mitch O'Connell over top of it, doing color, doing painting over top of it. Yeah, I think that's right. I thought it said that somewhere, but I don't know where I uh, where I read that. Maybe, oh, next issue, Mitch O'Connell provides the back cover. Yeah. As well as collaborating on the front cover painting. And that's okay, what yeah, I think yeah. you're seeing on that front cover. Yes. Yes. It's sure. nice, though. It's a nice package. Having that much, you know, Madman throughout the issue, very cool. You know, we, we look at so many of these different publishers' books, and, I mean, Marvel DC, 10 pages of, of ads of unrelated stuff. Uh, it's nice to get an issue where it's just, like, nothing but the cover character. Yes, absolutely. And uh, 
listen, we don't need an exact origin. Maybe you touch it, but give me give me an adventure. Let me let me care about this character uh, before we start getting into that just the the minutia of how they came to be. Starts off in a good place and stays strong uh, throughout the duration. Yeah, and tons of threads and characters. Yeah, you know, like where you're gonna go with this. This it reminds me of manga a little bit, where you look at the early installments and it's like I'm gonna lay down a bunch of pieces. Or, or throw a bunch of plates up in the air yeah. and then it'll give me different directions to go. You kind of have that with this Absolutely. first issue. Like there's a ton of stuff introduced. If you're new to Madman, you you know, there, there's a lot to go from here. Good seams on the glove. Man, you good to go? Yes. Okay, favors like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. Jimmy, what's out there? Hulk Grand Design, the oversized treasury collected edition, will be in stores in December in time for Christmas, but you got to pre-order that now. It's a celebration of 60 years history of the Hulk. I'm writing, drawing, lettering it the Grand Design way. And that oversized book will be wrapped in fluorescent green and look great as a gift this holiday season. Street Angel Deadly Scroll Live from Image Comics. The second printing should be available in your local comic shop any day now if it's not there already. So pick that one up. And uh, join me on patreon.com slash jimrug to see a lot more of my comics and art. Red Room Trigger Warnings is nearly here. Collecting the 2022 season of Red Room Comics. There it is, man. You got to appreciate the spine of these things, man. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in the Red Room Comics. Uh, fits handsomely with the Anti-Social Network trade paperback. And you can... Find these comics uh, at your local comic shop if you're lucky. If not, go to my link tree in the description below this video. You'll be able, able to order and pre-order current and future Red Room comics uh, at those links. And you could go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash I'm serializing the next round of Red Room comics plus the three bucks that you pay at the Patreon for that new stuff. You get all of uh, the earlier Red Room uh, comics in the archive. What else do we have out there, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Giving those marching orders will be on our way, Jim. Read more comics.